0: This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.
1: Uh, Mr. Chairman, this is Dr. Harkinson. I just want to let you know I'm standing by. Oh, okay. Well, we would love to hear from you. The floor is yours. Thank you very much. Um, I do appreciate the opportunity to address you on this very important matter. Um, What I'm going to say is lay language and blunt. Um, it's counter-narrative, and so, so you don't immediately think I'm a quack. I'm going to briefly outline my credentials so that you can understand where I'm coming from in terms of knowledge base in all of this. I'm a medical specialist in pathology, which includes virology. I trained at Cambridge University in the UK. I'm the ex-president of the pathology section of the Medical Association. I was pre- previously an assistant professor in the Faculty of Medicine doing a lot of teaching. I was the chairman of the Royal College of Physicians of Canada Examination Committee in Pathology in Ottawa. But more to the point, I'm currently the chairman of a biotechnology company in North Carolina selling a COVID-19 test. And I might, you might say I know a little bit about all of this. The bottom line is simply this. There is utterly unfounded public hysteria driven by the media and politicians. It's outrageous. This is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public.
2: My name is Germ. This is germ warfare, the battle of ideas. Do you still do you still maintain that same view?
3: I don't change a single word. Period. This is nothing more than a bad seasonal flu with certain nuances. That you is. You don't stop, Granny. You don't stop Granny from dying of COVID in a nursing home by shutting down the world economy. The thought of that is utterly ludicrous. Almost certainly, this virus did originate from the Wuhan lab. It was genetically engineered um, at the request of flip-flop Fauci in the States as a gain gain of function. I apologize for the noise. No, it's fine. Please um, go on. Um, it was, um, again, a function research uh, contract that Fauci um, could not do in the States. He offloaded it through a white-gloved intermediary to the lab in Wuhan, which had a notorious biosafety record. Um, the, the genetic engineering of that uh, corrupt, that bat virus um, was performed. And almost certainly what we're seeing now in this pandemic is the, release, the accidental release of that from a terrible biosafety lab. Um, in Wuhan, and that is the origin of it. And of course, flip-flop Fauci's fingerprints are all over the continuation of this madness, um, namely the the mandates and the vaccines and the vaccine passports, and more than anything, perhaps the monstrous debt that's being mm. um, that's been caused by by this whole episode. Yeah, utterly ridiculous. People don't fall dead on the street with COVID. That was a staged, staged scene. as have been so many other things coming out of China. The statistics is totally unreliable.
2: At what point did you realize that that there was something wrong happening? I mean, let's go right back now to the beginning.
3: Oh, I I was aware of the stupidity of the initial reaction, namely masks, um, way before November when I spoke out. Um, I only spoke out because there was... The possibility of, um, of their use at least in my own city there was a possibility of, of their use being discontinued mm. and so I wanted to put in my awe at that point having been so frustrated by the idiocy of, of wearing masks in the first place which I never complied with um, but nonetheless there was an opportunity to stop the train um, yeah. of course it failed uh, the vote was 12 against and 1-4 if I recollect <laughs> Um, hardly hardly surprising. Um, So yeah, I I mean, I I want to make it clear to all your listeners, um, Mm. it's not just my credentials. Um, I've lived my entire career in heavily evidence-based medicine. I can smell bad science a mile away. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not a great resetter. I'm not I don't believe in quackery of many and various types, homeopathy, etc., etc. Uh, no. You know, I've actually been a laboratory inspector for the very college that's got its teeth in me right now. You know, I've lived a clean, honorable, professional life. Mm. And that when I see fundamental medical ethics, such as first do no harm and informed consent, mm. when I see them being thrown by the wayside, for which we'll discuss, I'm sure, as to my reasons for that, when I see them being just discarded as trash, um, it makes me furious and depressed at the same time. Mm. And and that's why I'm standing up and speaking out boldly in lay language to get the message across. I I am not pretending to be an Mm -hmm. expert in all the micro, micro areas of this whole mess. Mm. What I am putting myself forward as is a very head-screwed-on, um, well-trained uh, general pathologist who can pull all the threads together for the general public to give them comfort that their gut reaction to all this is dead right, mm. and everyone else is dead wrong.
2: I wish more doctors and more scientists would would speak out. Why, Why haven't they?
3: well the I think part of the reason um, people are walking around with diapers on their faces Mm. is because the counter narrative has been resolutely most efficiently brutally suppressed internationally from all the three sources of information
0: Mm.
3: and it's not just physicians we'll come to that but it's also politicians who are afraid of their own shadow the media has been bought off internationally the only way people can get information is through alternative media such as yours, which is not launched on YouTube and Facebook because it gets immediately censored. Uh, so the reach of, counter, of a counter-narrative is very limited. But the, the principal resource that people use in a situation like this is, of course, physicians. We get the doctor title because we're trusted. We, people think that we are representing them and only them. And we we are ethical and and we we get up at three o'clock in the morning and and whatever whatever it takes we put society before ourselves now the colleges of physicians and surgeons internationally and I can certainly speak to it locally as an example have been vicious in their suppression of physicians and let me give you an example of how mm. how perverse and threatening that is first of all if the colleges wish to um, eliminate your livelihood they can do it at the click of a finger hospital privileges likewise and so that gets your attention doesn't it um, mm. the colleges are actually saying this and this it's Orwellian in its, in its um, intent they said actually to me um, listen we're watching you we're listening to what you're saying we're warning you that whatever you say has to be based on facts and not hearsay. Well, that's grotesquely Orwellian Mm. because it's exactly the other way round. They have no facts. They're simply, unfortunately, the colleges and all these regulatory bodies internationally, instead of protecting the public good, which is why they're there, to make sure that we're not cutting off the wrong leg and we're not pedophiles and all that good stuff, Instead of, instead of protecting the public good, they are guilty of the most awful medical malpractice the world has ever seen. The very body that's supposed to be protecting you from medical malpractice is practicing medical malpractice by automatically following government's edicts and not banging the table with government on behalf of the public as to why are you contravening these two central medical ethics. They're not doing that. They're doing exactly the opposite. They're doing exactly the opposite. They're intimidating physicians into silence. And, And furthermore, it doesn't just go in terms of what we're saying publicly. There was one notorious letter that came out to all physicians in the province of Alberta, which said, in addition to that, do not talk about this with your neighbors. It was in print. It's unreal. So... What I'm saying is the general public have been denied access to any counter-narrative in, and one of the central things, of course, they're being denied is the reality that this vaccine is experimental mm. and by any definition, in terms of standard medical practice, unsafe. And yet you see billboards everywhere using those that word with four letters, safe, mm. with no qualifications whatsoever. Whereas whereas they know from traditional um, protocols for the introduction of vaccines or any medicine for that reason, that there are substantial um, trials done with all kinds of investigations over a significant period of time, virtually none of which have happened with this vaccine, which was particularly needed because of the unusual nature of the technology. And not only was it introduced Mm. rashly, recklessly, but if you're doing that, then you should make damn sure that you have in place a monitoring system to determine what are we doing here? Mm. Are we hurting people? They did not do that. It's still not in place. It's all voluntary lay reporting for billions of doses of an experimental vaccine that are going into Mm. all age groups Vaccine. particularly children as i am talking to you now yeah and that's o- that's okay with these people well i am putting my standard in the ground and i'm saying you know what it's damn well not okay in fact it's medical malpractice of the most grievous scale
2: do you think there is a silver lining
3: oh yes the silver lining is behind a cloud um it's called the sun when the sun comes up we'll all start making vitamin d again and it will be a powerful booster of our immune system um what used to be called the season of coughs and colds is now being recognized as the season of vitamin d deficiency but no this this will run its course as um viral infections always do um how it presents in the fall is another story but it will disappear, um, not because of the vaccination programs. No, not at all. Um, the politicians are going to be beating their chests and saying, see, we wrestled it to the ground for you. Aren't we great? Please vote mm-hmm. for me in the next election. You know, all this, all the horrors that we caused were necessary. Mm-hmm. And, and now you've been stupid enough to take this vaccine by the billions, um, developing what they called is herd immunity, which would have otherwise happened the natural way. Um, yes, yes, we're going to take all the mandates <laughs> off now because you, useful lot, um, have been so stupid along the way. And we're your savior. But look, let, let's go through these issues mm. one at a time, if I may. Yeah. There, I'll, I'll start off with a general statement. <clears throat> First, read my lips. <laughs> there is absolutely no basis in medical science, no consensus whatsoever for any of these ludicrous mandates, Mm. including masks, social distancing, travel bans, and lockdowns. Let's deal with them one at a time. Masks. Do you think if masks were effective, we'd have used them in every flu season? season? Of course (laughs) we would. The reason we didn't is very simple. They don't work. Mm. Even flip-flop Fauci has said so. But from a simply me- mechanistic, physical perspective, you cannot control a nanoscale problem, microscopic particles measuring s- so, so small in, in, in the nanometer range. You cannot stop them with a macroscale solution. None of these mass work physically, but quite apart from that, there was the Danish study, as it's called, which was the best controlled trial to date which showed conclusively that masks do not prevent you from getting COVID. Masks are only worn for two reasons. They're worn to stop me giving it to you and to stop you giving it to me. Now, in terms of me giving it to you, that's very nicely resolved by the traditional method of staying at home. If you're sick, (laughs) you self-quarantine. We didn't need government to tell us anything. We went to bed, we had chicken noodle soup, we sprinkled it with Tylenol, and when we felt better, we decided when we go back to work, no testing of any sort required. And it worked beautifully, didn't it? And along the way, someone brought us chicken noodle soup and we gave it to them. We knew that was likely to happen. Mm. And that was accepted by society, and it built natural herd immunity, the normal, natural way to the whole virus and not a bit of it, and safely because it wasn't some experimental vaccine. On the other side of the coin of protecting me not getting it from you, um, as I said, masks first of all don't work. Um, But secondly, um, you know, in previous years when we saw someone coughing and sneezing, we tended to stay away, didn't we? we? We used our head you know, which politicians think we can't have screwed on anymore. Um, you know, it mm. worked very well. You know, We didn't touch the shoulder of someone in front of, of the, the line up in the grocery store and said, excuse me, um, would you turn around, please, and um, cough in my face or let me suck your nose. No, we didn't <laughs> do that. We did not do that.
0: Yeah.
3: We kept, we kept away. We did not visit granny in the nursing home. Mm. And that was, as per the Great Barrington Declaration, focus protection, of course, was was all that was needed. So let's talk about um, social distancing. (laughs) These new words that have crept into the English vocabulary, (laughs) social distancing, you know, you can't think of a more divisive word than that. Well, we now know that this virus doesn't just spread by droplets from people coughing in your face, which, of course, never happened anyway. Um, It spreads principally by aerosols. Mm. An infected person is breathing in and out, and that virus gets aerosolized into the general environment, into every aisle in Walmart, um, even if no one's walking down there. And it's a roulette game of life, like it is crossing the road, You don't know if you're going to get it or not. So get used to it. Risk in life happens. And no politician, despite their breast beating, can stop you from all life's risks. We take those on ourselves. Mm. So they should stick to their knitting and get their goddamn faces out of our lives because we're perfectly capable of managing these things totally by ourselves. With certain nuances this time around with with older people in nursing homes, and we and we can come to that travel bans by the same token mm. if masks don 't work and there 's aerosolized in the plane what 's the point what 's the point um, furthermore you 've got uh, you 're living in you 're not living in an island nation like Australia, for example, but the rest of the world has very porous borders with enormous commercial transit going on to and fro by the hundreds of thousands events every day. Uh, you cannot close borders. Yeah, it's utterly in, it's utterly impossible. That's a fiction of, you know, some politician's sense of grandiosity that we can, you know, stop this virus at the border. I mean, give me a break. You know, they, they haven't, they haven't a clue what they're doing. And then finally, lockdowns. Lockdowns are the worst of the lot. Lockdowns have never been tried in medical history as a way of containing a pandemic. In fact, in history, what we've done in medicine is, you might say the obvious, we've quarantined the sick. We've never quarantined the well. We've never done that because, hello, knock, knock, just maybe it doesn't work that way. So we've gone to the extent of shutting down the entire global economy on this farcical concept Mm. that you can control this virus. So politicians have to get their minds around this fact. In 2021, modern medicine, with all its sophistication, is totally impotent at controlling this pandemic. What we have to do, as per the Great Barrington Declaration, is accommodate to it in practical ways of which there are many that are not being used they're dreaming in technicolor this pandemic is a scaredemic driven by fear partly by that ridiculous PCR test 95% false positives in people who were otherwise well and driven by the suppression of any counter narrative from all the three usual sources that we described that's what's fueling the continuation of this this pandemic, and of course, amply um, you know, <laughs> encouraged by these you know statements of the mutants, you know, the double mutant yeah, it's... The, the, you know, the, the triple mutant. Mm. Um, look, these viruses are called RNA viruses. They mutate all the time. We know that, it's predictable. That's what happens with the flu every year, why we need, theoretically, another flu vaccine following the previous year. Mm. They mutate all the time. And even if one of them happens to be somewhat more transmissible but not more virulent in terms of creating worse disease, I say that's a good thing Mm. because that builds herd immunity the natural way to the whole virus. It's cheap, it's immediately available, and it, it, it's the way we developed herd immunity normally. To deny children, the toddlers, uh, to deny children seeing facial expressions is to deny them a very important part of their upbringing, mm. non-verbal, nonverbal communication. That, that's, that's atrocious. Mm. That's, but the, it, it goes beyond that with the vaccination. I call vaccination of children state-sanctioned child abuse on a scale that's never been seen before. Because children are not Mm. dying of this condition. There hasn't been a single death internationally in children other than children with severe underlying disease. Children are not dying of COVID. It's a trivial infection for them. They have very robust immune systems. And by the same token, Children are not spreading the disease to teachers, that's been shown to be categorically the case. But for for children who are not going to be suffering whatsoever from this virus, why in God's name are we contemplating and actually doing vaccination of children? It's being proposed going down to the age of six months. Because this vaccine was introduced with warp speed. Meaning, all the traditional safeguards were bypassed. There mm-hmm. wasn't the usual five to seven year period of looking for unexpected events. We do clinical trials for one principal reason. You don't know what you don't know. That's why we do them. And so, for example, um, great concern for children about not proven, but needs to be disproven, Great concern about fertility for different reasons in both girls and boys. That has not been studied. Last time I checked, pregnancy takes nine months. How can you conceivably check for fertility issues? Now that's a bad pun, I apologize. How can you con- <laughs> how can you conceivably check for fertility issues if your clinical trial only goes on for four to six months. Mm -hmm. That's utter madness. And the reason, if I may elaborate on the scientific reasons for the Mm -hmm. concern, this is not just me, you know, mouthing off. I'm talking about the scientific literature here that was known, some of it was known before COVID even emerged. The, The Pfizer submission to the Japanese regulatory authorities has now been translated into English. And it's, it was very clear that that um, experiment, ex- the, the experiments that they did in rats, looking for the distribution mm. of these very small lipid particles that compose the, va- the vaccine, it was very clear that they concentrated heavily in the ovaries of rats. Now, what does that mean? for rat fertility? We don't know. Mm. What does it mean for human fertility? Do they locate in human ovaries? We don't know. Mm. Well, little girls, baby girls, are born with a fixed number of eggs. They don't multiply. And when they're gone, they're gone. So you can see that that is something that needs to be investigated urgently before we continue with vaccinating children. With boys, it's a different story. Um, Well before COVID, it was known that the specific receptor for the spike protein, which is the, which is being intentionally produced by these vaccines as a way of generating immunity against the virus because of the spike protein being on the outside of the virus. The thought is, of course, that by generating the spike protein in the body by this genetically engineered particle inside each little lipid particle. Um, The thought was that if we can create the spike protein, make the body produce the spike protein for us, that the immune system will then react against Mm. it and create immunity. That was the thinking behind the vaccine. Well, and, and the entry for the virus, by the way, into the upper respiratory tract, the way it gets into the body with a typical COVID infection. Um, that is through the ACE2 receptor, ACE2 receptor, which is, which lines the upper respiratory tract. And that's how the virus gets in. But we're talking here about the vaccine. Now, the spike protein um, attaches to this ACE2 receptor, wherever it can find it. It's on the, it lines every blood vessel in the body. And that's why we think um, thromboses, blood clots are happening in the brain and in the legs and, and elsewhere. And, and in the placenta and the endometrium too we can come to that later but it's also the H2 H2 receptor is heavily expressed in the testis, the human testis. I'm talking about now mm. what does that mean answer you don't know because the study was never done now we know that sperm counts have diminished 40 percent over the last decade or two internationally for reasons that are totally unclear all kinds of theories about it but male fertility has already had a major hit we certainly don't need another one yeah exactly that needs to be studied. we do not inject children with a potential poison for their future fertility without it being thoroughly studied and excluded as 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 not a risk we just don't do that in medicine and yet that is happening as we speak with millions of children around the world being vaccinated with this totally unsafe experimental vaccine uh, I'll, I'll repeat it's the mo- gr- most grotesque form of state sanctioned child abuse you could possibly imagine
2: what about the vaccines that are not mRNA such as johnson and johnson i think
3: traditional vaccines use some form of modified, um, pathogen virus or bacterium. It was made to be something that would stimulate the immune system, but not create the infection. It might've been live or attenuated as, as we say, uh, or it might've been a dead, um, a dead particle a, a, a something that could not replicate in the body. Um, that's how we normally, um, develop vaccines. Um, it takes an awful long time um, This time of course with the RNA virus um, they were able to um, Bypass a lot of that by Doing this very sophisticated and very clever um, I have to take my hats off to them in terms of the sophistication of this vaccine. It's it's an it's, an, it's a scientific miracle what they achieved mm. um, Providing it doesn't produce terrible effects which need to be shown to be absent. So, you know, I take vaccines um, that have been shown to be relatively safe, worth the risk. Uh, I take them all. Um, Vaccines are are a tremendous asset to public health. Um, I'm not an Mm. anti-vaxxer, but not this vaccine, not this one at this point in time, most categorically.
2: She, She says here, Doc, with gain of function research prevalent, what is the possibility that they manipulated influenza to make it as deadly as the Spanish flu or create a very bad flu season to justify a vaccine?
3: I I think that's a conspiracy theory. I, I really don't think that that's, that, that happened. Um, and even with COVID, you know, there's all these stories about it being a Chinese bioterrorism weapon. Well, that's nonsense. You know, it's a lousy bioterrorism weapon. It doesn't kill enough people. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's it's the fingerprints of Fauci all over this from beginning to end, in which he wanted to have gain-of-function done on this bat virus uh, for the most, as I said, for the most bizarre reasons. Um and it escaped accidentally from a lab that was notorious for its poor biosafety hazard, uh, poor biosafety. There were communiques from the State Department, to the State Department, um, from the State Department, um, on precisely that. Um, there was terrible biosafety precautions in that lab. And, but even if they met the standards of the states, um, I can tell you categorically, there is no lab on Earth that is ever one hundred point zero 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 percent safe. Mm. The machines might be safe, but you have that thing called people inside them. Yeah. And the human factor means that there will inevitably, despite the most profound protocols, there will always be escapes. And that's why gain of function should be condemned mm. and prohibited by international treaty. Because it's not rocket science. It can easily be done and rogue nations um, might be actually using it to make a virus that is potentially Armageddon. Mm. Um, That is one of the biggest lessons that's come out of this mess, is the reality that gain of function is taking, research is taking place everywhere internationally, Mm. including my own country of Canada. In Canada, by the way, they placed their, bi- their level four lab, guess where? Right slap bang in the middle of a major city <laughs> called Winnipeg. They actually, by conscious decision, placed it right damn slap in the middle of a major city.
2: Rosie has a question for you. She says, well, she asks, what do you think uh, we can do to challenge this force on, on multiple levels?
3: Well, there's obviously the thing called elections. Mm. Um, you know, we do have politicians in Canada that feel like I do, that are standing up in a minority, um, elections, first of all. Um, secondly, much, much more personal presentations to your elected representatives before elections, to the leaders of your church, um, to your school principals and superintendents, um, to the colleges of physicians, to bang the table and say, why are we doing this? Why are we pressuring children into into vaccination? Look, in, in Canada, they're actually offering inducements to children with free ice cream. I kid you, I kid you not. Um, Free ice cream. (laughs) For for adults, they're having a lottery. Now, (laughs) obviously you just have to shake your head at Mm. all that. At a more personal level, there are things called notices of liability,
0: Mm.
3: which is a a legal document drawn up. There are are plenty of them on the internet with various organizations that think like i do Mm. um notice of liability it's basically um a very legal document which is presented to someone um such as your a teacher of your children or or, well not as many as possible for example in a school not just the teacher but the principal the superintendent of the school board all the members of the board of the school board etc etc blanket blanket letter addressed to each of them individually Mm. That puts them on notice that look if you're for- forcing my child to be vaccinated otherwise they won't be educated or if you're forcing me um to be vaccinated to maintain retain my my job then i'm putting you on notice with this letter that when i sue you for complications downstream you will not be able to claim innocence
0: mm.
3: i'm telling you right now what could happen And if these things do happen, you will be sued. Now, it's getting very difficult for, to buy what's called director's liability for publicly funded institutions. It's very, very expensive now. And many of them are going naked into the night without that coverage. So these people getting these notices of liability, they will never have been threatened personally in their entire lives. And it will give many of them pause for thought mm. that I don't necessarily have the back backing of my institution here. I may be personally liable. Beyond that, um, vitamin D uh, is a powerful boost of the immune system. 5,000 international units a day plus 50 milligrams of zinc. Um, what about just walking sad, your dogs? What about
2: deep- just walking your dogs on the beach?
3: yes why not? <laughs> why not why not hugging as many people as you can shaking as many hands as you can mm. smiling again um, doing whatever you can to object, protest um, as much as possible join groups talk about it, don't be intimidated into silence even physicians are being, are being silent even physicians don't talk about it amongst themselves because someone might snitch on you. So Something that's, is that's wrong, all yeah. I think. That's all I think individual people can do. In, in balance, it's, it's very limited. Yes. And very frustrating. No, I mean, to be so divisive in society. Essentially, what these politicians are saying is this. Look, you know, listen, you useful. Lot of idiots. Um, yeah, you can deny. You can. Refuse to take the vaccine. Oh, of course, we're not going to interfere with that. I mean, it's your own personal decision, isn't it? Mm. But if you don't take it, you can't travel anywhere. Have I got your attention yet? Yes, At most offensive intimidation. Freedom of travel is one of the essential freedoms that we have. Freedom of assembly, freedom of speech. Um, these are all being trampled on by these idiots. <laughs> trying to control us with totally arbitrary measures.
2: It's, it's almost as if this is now the deadliest pandemic we have ever experienced in human history, the way that they've carried on.
3: Is it? Not at all. <laughs> it makes me scream. It's nothing worse than a bad seasonal flu. Period. In fact, the working well are dying in fewer numbers than they do with the flu every year. Children die of the flu every year. This year, they're not. Mm. They're not dying of COVID. There hasn't been a single case internationally in children who are otherwise perfectly well. Um, No, it's nothing close to to the fearsome pandemic they're describing. It does affect elderly people with comorbidities to a larger degree than the flu. Mm. But even then, the degree of risk is grossly exaggerated. Let me tell you, let's Mm. imagine for a second, your granny and I'm your doc, all right? And I walk into you one morning and I say with a glum face, oh, granny, I'm sorry to tell you, but you do have COVID. And you've got about a four times increased risk of dying of this than you had with the flu last year. Mm. And granny would say, holy shit doc, what are we going to do? <laughs> on the other hand, I could walk in and say to granny with a smile on my face this time, I could say, hey granny, you know I hate to tell you but you know it's true you do actually have, have COVID. <laughs> um, but, but remember remember last year when you had the flu, um, when you, and you survived very nicely didn 't you? that 's because you had a ninety nine percent of surviving granny, and you did very well <laughs> didn 't you? Um, but now that you 've got the COVID and all these other diseases, um, your, your chance of, chances of surviving this are ninety six percent. And Granny will say, "Well, let me out of here, doc. that 's great. Exactly the same statistics. Intentionally tweet. To make you fearsome.
2: What happened to flu?
3: (laughs) We don't know (laughs) a lot of a lot of it I think is is confirmation bias. Um, Flu has in the past mysteriously disappeared not quite to this degree but it has it has it has dropped off but I, I think a lot of what's happening here is that when people present to an emergency department Um, with things that could be COVID, Um, there's that confirmation bias of this is COVID, and therefore Mm. we'll do the test to prove that it is. And many of these tests, as we know, are are falsely positive. Um, 95% or more in the working well. But equally, in people who are sick, there will also be false positives. And so you get a positive result coming back, and that's it no testing for the flu whatsoever. So there's mislabeling, I think, of a lot of people going on that probably do have the flu, uh, but because of a false positive test at the point of presentation to hospital, um, that's the label that gets put on them. I think that's the best hypothesis.
2: What if, for example, flu didn't disappear and and COVID just ran alongside it? Do you think that's possible?
3: Oh, I think it is still out there. Mm. I, I think we're just missing it because of mis- misdiagnosis and confirmation bias. You, you know, let me put it this way. Viruses don't fight between each other. Right. They don't duke it out, you know, and <laughs> and decide that, you know, I'm going to be the pandemic this year and you're not. Yes. And, you, know, they, you know, they don't do that. Um.
2: I have another question for you. Um, if flu for example turns out to have also been here alongside COVID that logically then would have made COVID to have been vastly less severe if people were missing flu do you think that's a possibility also
3: well you know it is vastly less severe than is being claimed
0: mm.
3: because of the, the temptation to label people of dying of COVID Instead of dying
2: with COVID, COVID, yes.
3: You know, we we have, you know, sadly, at at the end of life, we have people hanging on by their fingernails because of metastatic cancer, severe heart disease, heart failure, Mm. whatever. And the old man friend typically comes along with bacterial pneumonia and takes you away. Mm. Um, We we can't stop that. Um, Just because someone on the cusp of death, happens to have a strand of rna virus in their nose does not mean underlined in neon that they died because of covid yeah and that many many of these deaths are being mislabeled in fact the 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 reporting of deaths due to heart disease and cancer have dropped off dramatically <laughs> well as a pathologist i can tell everyone listening categorically covid does not cure cancer
2: it's almost as if Doc, we've gone back backwards in time by a few hundred years it it seems like we've gone back to the 1700s
3: well we certainly have with respect to the authorities ignoring science Mm. you can go back further than that to Galileo can't you you know (laughs) Uh, I mean, science is being trashed here mm. by idiotic politicians who think that their future election chances depend upon how macho you can be to show that we have wrestled this to the ground. There's strong evidence now that hydro- that ivermectin and to a lesser extent hydroxychloroquine, but both of them are effective. There's strong evidence. Um, Tess Laurie has written the definitive study on that um, with so overwhelmingly, for, as a, for, from a meta-analysis of all the studies that have been done, that ivermectin is very effective at minimizing symptoms and, and in speeding recovery. Um, that's been shown to be the case. What, what that highlights is the utter hypocrisy here of the authorities. Out of one side of their mouth, they're saying, this is an emergency. Mm this needs emergency authorization of a vaccine. Totally unsafe, but because it's an emergency, you have to take this vaccine. That's unsafe by any measure. And out of the other side of their mouth, they're saying, "But you, to the doctors, they're saying, you are hereby prohibited under risk of losing your license. Have I got your attention yet? You may not prescribe ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Mm. Agents that have an incredible safety record. This is not an unsafe product like the vaccine. It's very, very safe. It's been used for many years with billions of doses. So you can't have it both ways, politicians, anyone listening. You can't say it's an emergency on the one hand for which you're being forced to take, essentially, uh, a very unsafe vaccine, and at the same time prohibit physicians Viciously from prescribing agents that could well be very effective, and for that reason, they are killing people.
0: Mm.
3: Not, not only that, but what happens when you go to a hospital and you have COVID like symptoms, and you may even have a positive COVID test? What do they do? They check your oxygen level, and if it's not um, too low, they'll say, hmm. You're not sick enough to be admitted. Why don't you just go home? Well, the subtext there is, go home and come back when you're blue. Because no additional treatment while you're at home is being prescribed. In fact, it's being prohibited. Mm. That's called medical malpractice by the state, by these medical officers of health. Absolutely. Is it not so gut-wrenchingly pathetic Mm the very essence of humanity and and ordinary life has been so brutally undermined by Mm. these idiots internationally not being able to hug people, shake hands, meet, have dinner parties, Mm. um, go to graduations, funerals, um, not have your education interfered with, um, not having your business go bankrupt despite having put your life savings savings into it a family mm. business um, and oh, it, it goes it's the most grotesque episode in human history
2: oh but it's it's totally scientific doc didn't you know <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, see, you see that's why it's, uh, we're laughing here but it, it, that's why it's so orwellian i have a t-shirt that says covid 84 Yes. Um, it's so Orwellian what's mm. going on up is down, black is white truth is being distorted um, facts are being ignored um, hearsay is, are being called facts everyone is copying everyone else to suppress liberty mm. every type of liberty the right to assemble, the right to travel the right to work the right to get educated. Mm. Uh, and it's become a the healthcare systems have become one disease system.
2: In front of you there is a crystal ball. What do you see?
3: I see blood in the gutter. Because when the truth comes out, which inevitably it will, it cannot be suppressed. Scientific truth and analysis will emerge from this mess. I suspect books are being written by investigative journalists as we speak that will describe that in chapter and verse. Reputations will be slaughtered. And hopefully we'll learn a great deal from this madness to never repeat it again. I'll say finally one thing in closing Mm. for everyone listening. Believe nothing you're being told Yes. Nothing. It's all a pack of lies from beginning to end. Mm. I do appreciate the opportunity of getting this message out. Thank you very much.
2: It's been a great pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too. Go My travel. name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare. If,
0: if you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportjerm.com.